Good afternoon, everyone. If you're hearing my voice, then this must be another wonderful episode of 20 Minutes of Your Time. Today, I'm super excited because we have a very, very special guest talking about a subject that I've personally been getting into myself over the past couple of months. And I'm super excited to have this man here to not only educate me, but to educate you guys as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, please give you a round of applause to our guest today, Dr. James Calvin Tibbs. How are you doing today, sir? I'm fantastic, Jabari. How are you today? I'm doing very good. Our conversation today is, like I said, it's something that I've been kind of experimenting with, discussing within myself, is getting people back into the church. So I'm just going to give a little bit of synopsis of what I've been going through, and then we're going to start our interview, okay? Sounds great. Sounds great. Sure. So um, as we all know, we're still right now technically in the midst of this pandemic, and it really forced a lot of people to go back inside. It forced me back inside, too. And it, it was a really tough experience to, to go from what we was living in before to having to go and be inside the house every single day. And as I started to kind of what I would say spiral down, this is really, really unhappiness and the things was going on in my personal life and my family life. I was thinking to myself, what can I do? What can I turn to? And how in the world can I kind of shake myself out of this funk? Then I know that everybody has different answers. But for me, I started to get back into the church and I started to look in, you know, reading the Bible more. I started to watch videos on the Bible. I started to ask people who were very spiritual and who were very religious, what kind of insight or what kind of information that they can give me. So the first question that we're going to start off with is a very basic one. What are some of the benefits to people getting into the church? That's a great question, Jabari. To begin with, the reality of like that word church, the word is in the, he- in the Greek, a word called ekklesia. So the ecclesia, when Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell, though I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's literally saying Jesus is building a people, not a building. He's building a people. And so the people that he's building gather in the place we call church. And so the ecclesia is literally benefited in the first level of it, by simply being together because we belong together. In fact, Hebrews 10, 25 says, to forsake not the assembling of the saints as is the manner of some, as we see the day drawing near, encouraging one another. So there's encouragement. There is the end days that we see, the craziness of what's going on. There's everybody in the building together. That is one of the huge benefits of going to church. I, I agree because I think what I had went and it was my first time being there in a long time. I think I went at the start of 2020, maybe. And then I, you know, been a couple of months and to be in that environment where you saw so many people there for the same thing. And it was, you know, it's kind of like a bunch of people that you may or may not know all want the best for you. Yeah. And that was kind of something that I really liked about being in the church. So can you speak to that? Like, what what do you think makes that bond so strong between people who are all in this building together, praising God or praising Jesus? or for whatever different reason people come together in the church for. I think you've already hit on it. It is Jesus. You know, he said, if I am lifted up, that I'll do the drawing. I'll draw men, all men unto myself. And when there's a common desire, a common goal that people have, in this case, a spiritual common goal, it does do something. It it attracts even greater amounts of the presence of God in the context that Jesus said, if two or three get together in my name, he says, I'm in the midst. So imagine if two or three or 20 or 30 or two or 300 or two or 3,000. So the, the multiplication of the effect of Jesus and the oneness of why folks have gathered, it just does something special that really cannot be duplicated 
alone. Right. And, and, and again, this is something that I think particularly the younger generation where we're a little hesitant for a variety of reasons to go into the church and go into be spiritual. What do you think, in your opinion, holds people back from just being able to even step foot in that kind of space in that arena? Why do you think so many people are what I would say maybe afraid or hesitant to go back to church or go into the church? I think part of the reason is that they're disconnected and haven't come up with a way to connect their faith to a greater purpose. Uh, for example, we, we find our way to work or to Walmart or to our friend's house, or in some cases, people are headed to the club and they find a reason to go there. But when it comes to church, there seems to be a, an extra layer or two of sanitizing uh, for whatever those reasons are. But in the end, what it boils down to is if I can connect meaning to that building and that group of people, then I'll find my value in connecting with them. If I cannot find the meaning, then I will not look at the value of it and anything becomes, if you will, a reason not to go or an excuse. Right, absolutely. So let's talk about, um, in your personal opinion, in your life, what has the church meant to you? What has you know the Bible and Jesus, what have these things meant to you? And how do you think they've personally helped you grow and develop as a person? That's a great question. I, I think about the condition of the world today, of course, here in America as well. And I often view what's happening in the current events through the lens of scripture. The Bible says that in the last days, perilous times would come. Men would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, lovers of self. And you see that happening throughout the world. So knowing that the Lord is already telling us what he's about to do, as well as what's about to happen, it gives us a great advantage. So another reason that I enjoy the fellowship of the saints is because we get to sharpen one another. And the Bible talks about that as iron sharpens iron, so does the countenance of a good friend. And it's very difficult to know if you're even moving in the right direction until you have a good example of what that right direction means. Coming to church helps to give us some of those examples. And we'll tell you another thing, it helps us love people that perhaps we need to practice loving before we get into a, into a world where the love should finally, at that point, be on display. Mm. Um, just a little bit more personal about you. How long have you been in the church? And were you a person that was raised in the church or did you find your way? Was you given the independence to, to look outside the church? How was that process for you growing up? Yeah, I, I grew up Baptist and in Hampton, Virginia, where I was raised, you know, my mom and dad took us to church. Uh, I, we didn't have a choice per se. Uh, we didn't think we had a choice. Uh, it was go because we're taking you and they were there with us. And so a lot of my friendships were created in the church to include my best friend who went to a rival high school and lived in a different city. But church grew us together, drew us together every single week and we began to spend the night at each other's house growing up and then finally became great friends. And both of us ended up working in the ministry, too, uh, before he passed a few years ago. But, yeah, for me, you were in the church from the beginning and most of the people in our neighborhood were going to some kind of church as well back then. Right. And I think uh, I know people who are who are raised in the church and some people have stayed and some people have kind of drifted off. What do you think is some of the factors that cause people who were raised in the church to kind of drift off from the church? And how often or what are the chances that you see those people leave, but then also come back into the church once they realize like what I was learning growing up is it's real. It, it helps me. It benefits me. Yeah, that's another great question. I think when you consider a block view of why people who were raised no longer go, 
I think there is a lot of unnecessary focus on unnecessary things. For example, it's too far from my house. It doesn't have a great children's church. Um, I don't like the pastor. I don't like the music. All those things are wonderful, but Jesus is not even requiring those things as prerequisites for gathering. The prerequisite for gathering is you can see straight. You see the day drawing near. In other words, you can look around, look at, at the news and see that the day of the return of the Lord is coming closer and closer because of current events. So when people use the wrong measuring tools to determine if they're going to go back, like, I like that pastor, or here you go, the service is too long. We are putting stipulations on a relationship that is so vital that we just somehow don't end up doing those same comparisons when it comes to jobs. In other words, we'll drive an hour, hour and a half in traffic. And then on Sunday, when there is no traffic, we come up with reasons for not going when we were raised to know we should go. So I think we've got to really reprioritize what's important. And it's not so much what we get out of it, although we should get something. It's more so what are we bringing to it? Because we're there to be the church, not to just be in a church building. And, you know, one thing, because you, you kind of touched upon this is, and I, I had talked to one of my coworkers who was super religious, and he was kind of helping me into this transition of going back to the church. Nowadays, the church, the message is being hijacked by people who either may or may not be in the church or people who are trying to use the church against innocent people. So in your opinion, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have about the church? Where do you kind of think these misconceptions come from? Great, great question. In fact, because of some of what you just mentioned, the Lord has really prompted in my heart in the last year almost is to help give people tools to use so that when they hear spiritual content, they can bring it to life. Again, if the major focus is what the pastor said, great, that's fine. And it should be, the pastor should have a word from the Lord. But the fact of the matter is, I'm supposed to do something with what I hear. Otherwise, I deceive myself. And the Bible says that, which in the book of James says that we are to be doers of the word, not just hearers only, because if we are hearers only, the rest of that verse says we deceive our own selves. So when the world hijacks a message from the church and a church in many instances, and I'm being general when I say this, doesn't even know that that word has been stolen and switched, changed, or in some form of transformation, because we've not spent enough time doing the word, we're deceived into thinking that perhaps I don't know, those people over there are crazy and we have the truth, when in fact, they might be crazy, they might not be crazy. But the truth from Jesus' perspective is that I am supposed to love people in such a way that he can be seen. And if I make that the priority and not perhaps, uh, you know, how well I'm received by this group or that group, if I can make the priority loving other people the way Jesus said, then we will have a fulfillment in scripture where he says they will know us by our love. Right. And I like that because, you know, nowadays we live in such a political world where that politics has kind of bled into the church where you see people who are of one religion or even one, um, you know, specific form of one type of religion. They kind of preach against other people and they kind of preach against, you know, people that don't view the same as them. 
what does the Bible say about that? Like, what specifically does the Bible teach us and how are we supposed to interact with people who may not have the same religious views as us? Well, Jesus made it real clear. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. So he came from a place in heaven to represent its ambassadorship, if you will, in the earth. And he took his cues from them. And that's the reason why there was some trouble in the church at the time, because they had issues with the way he did things like the law would indicate that you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath and not heal. But yet they would pick a donkey up if the donkey fell inside of a pit. These things Jesus brought up to help clarify that the kingdom has come and we should in the earth be responding to the kingdom. Some people don't get that kingdom message, but the Bible says Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And that's a real place with a real government, a type of governance. And we who are born again are ambassadors of that foreign country. So we should understand the laws of the spirit of life. We should understand the intent of the one who deployed us here. And we should thereby walk out the purpose he gave us, which is way beyond a Sunday morning event, so that seven days a week, the kingdom can be seen by the citizens who allow the king to reign in their hearts. Touching upon that, like you said, it's really not a Sunday morning thing. It's a seven day commitment, if you will, to God, to the Bible. So what are some things that we could be doing? I know some of these things may be simple, right? But what are some of the things that we could be doing on the other six days to make sure that we're still being in tune with God and we're still being in, in tune with the church and with Jesus and ourselves and our spirituality? You know, we can grow. You know, that's really what we're supposed to do. When we get saved, it's an amazing thing that we don't get evaporated. We are still here. And since we're here, we have a work to do. And that work is designed specifically, or if you will, customized by the Lord concerning his purpose for each individual. Uh, you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, and I write and run a church and different things of that nature. But I'm not all of those things at once. I'm whatever I need to be when it's time to be that. And in order to be that, I got to keep growing. I got to read. I have to position myself in front of people who know more than I know. I have to submit myself to people so that I can grow. And if I do that enough times in enough ways, then the verse says, men will see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And that's not just the usher and the choir and the soloist. That's not what that verse is referencing. It's talking about in the stream of life. And if I can keep improving because I am constantly growing, then I'm going to get better. And the light in me is going to be seen by others. Right. And then so as we're kind of um, barreling down, I know listening to this podcast is going to be two different kind of, you know, sex of people. There's going to be one group of people who are listening and say, I want to get back in the church and I really want to, you know, I really want to, I really want to, but they, they, they would claim, or maybe they just don't know how, what would you tell those people? So like, if you, if, if you're listening to this right now and you're teetering on that fence, and you don't know what to do. What would your advice be just to fully immerse yourself into fully committing yourself into going back into the church? I would tell them that they owe us. They owe us what's in them. There are too many graves that are full because the person who died did not leave empty. I would say to that person who thinks that they don't like my gift or they don't like what I do, because you are a fully functioning member of the body of Christ, the body of Christ is missing what's inside of that person who is boycotting church. 
afraid of church hurt and all kinds of other things. And because we're missing out on you, and many times those very people think we're it's the pastor. Listen, the pastor has his own or her own responsibility to the Lord, but the individual who is a carrier of the Spirit of God owes all of us who are assigned to whatever church we're connected with, they owe us their, their, their giftings and their skill sets, their growth, their mistakes, uh, their promises, their, their prophetic insights. They owe us that. And if we miss that, God's going to cause them to hold, he's going to hold them accountable for that. Because again, the scripture says, iron sharpens iron. On the flip side, there are people who are pessimistic. So there's going to be people that listen to this and they say, I don't believe it. Um, you know, that can't be true or that's not the case. So what would your response to those people be? I, I would tell them to basically challenge your belief, challenge it and see if it can hold muster because everybody believes something. And if we choose not to believe God, then we better be pretty darn perfect. And how's that working out for us? Since that doesn't work, we may as well go back to believing God. Because ultimately, any religion, any group of people who aspire to a heavenly place or a paradise, everyone knows that's a perfect place, wherever it is, whatever they call it, compared to here. The only difference between those who follow after Christ and others is that Christ came to the planet from a perfect place to an imperfect people. Other people are designed, based upon their religious observance, they have to do something to prove they're perfect. How is that working out? It doesn't work because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. So I would say to them, challenge your faith. If your faith is so connected and so developed, then, then begin to tell God, I don't need what you offer because I'm sufficient on myself. See how that works out. But if you have any inkling of humility in your heart, then fear the Lord and recognize according to Romans chapter one, that the entire heavens reveal that God is real so that nobody has an excuse. And so my encouragement would be test him now while you still have breath in your body. You will find out that he is everything he said he was, not necessarily people who carry out misdeeds and things that are, that are wrong, but him, find him. You find him, you find your answers. So now we're gonna transition into my favorite part of the show, the final minute. The final minute is, is where I stop talking and I'm going to turn it over to you. So you're going to be able to get the last word. So about this subject, about getting back into the church and about the church itself, what would your final message to the audience be? You know, the last thing I would say to the hearer at this time is you are wanted dead or alive. You are wanted dead or alive. There is a bounty for your life. And the idea behind being dead is take a look at what's not working and be honest and let the dead bury the dead. Likewise, take a look at the potential of your life and see what could work there in terms of you being alive and go to work on that. Because Martin Luther King says there is a revolution of values that is needed, a revolution of values that is needed. And some people that I work with added to it and said, in order to have a revolution of values, we need an evolution of meaning. You are so worthy of the price that Jesus paid. Don't waste it talking to people who did not pay the same price. Find Jesus for yourself. And when you do, you will evolve 
meaning will occur and the value that you are will be blessed to give to other people and everyone around you is gonna say thank you because you lived your best life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast this week. I would like to thank my special guest, Dr. J. Calvin Tibbs. But before um, I let you go, where can the people find you? Where can the people see you on social media, whether it's a podcast, YouTube, or anything else? Where can they find you at? They can find us on Facebook. They can find us on YouTube at Kingdom Dominion Church Global or KDC Global. They can also go to our website, which is kdchurch.org. And all of the information in terms of our social media is available at kdchurch.org as well. Thank you, Dr. Tibbs, for stopping by and giving us 20 minutes of your time. And as always, thank you guys in the audience for coming back and listening to wonderful episodes. We have these really, really important um, conversations and discussion. Please make sure that you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 20 Minutes of Your Time. We'll be back next week with another wonderful episode, and I will see you guys then.